the future, in my mind, the future is high-tech buildings that, you know, utilize the energy of the sun as part of the design. And then there's greed growing inside. Like to me, a yoga studio right in the middle of the greenhouse is a no-brainer. This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, featuring the founders, funders, and contributors, and most importantly, the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital, and on today's show, we have something a little different. It's not hardcore tech, it's not B2B SaaS, but it's definitely innovation, and specifically innovation related to sustainable farming and food. This is going to be a super, super fun episode. I am excited to actually feature the first entrepreneur I ever met in Montana. Meet Dave McCarson, the founder of Alpine Greenhouses. Can you believe it, Dave? It was over 10 years ago that we met. No, Liz, thank you so much for having me. And it has been more than 10 years. My goodness. Yeah. Decade. Yeah. How time flies. Well, you're the first. You're the first entrepreneur I met in the state. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Les, you know, you and your wife are some of the best people I ever met since I've been in Montana. I really appreciate that, Dave. That means a lot coming to you because I I feel that it's mutual. It's mutual, brother. Thank you, man. So I want to peel back your story. I love your story. I want to talk about, you know, where you grew up and what led you the journey to Montana. It's fascinating to me. But before we do that, I want, to do, I want to talk a little bit about what you do so people get some context. So your company uses technology, use some innovation, use some cool trade secrets to help people grow in, clo- in cold climates, grow food. Yes, totally. Right. What, tell us about Alpine Greenhouse. It's just a high level and then we'll get into your story. Yeah. So there's about four companies worldwide that have really researched and established the passive solar greenhouse technology. And I'm actually talking to you down in Denver. I'm on a project down here. And our greenhouses use the sun's energy and magnify it and amplify it through the design to create heat. For example, on a negative 10 degree day, if there's no clouds in the sky, it'll be about 70 or 80 degrees inside our greenhouses without using any energy except for the energy of the sun. And so so we're negative 10. Yes. Yeah. So we're game changers, me and the other companies, and we all know who each other are. There's actually a sister company in Boulder that I talk to a lot and we exchange technology and they're called Ceres. I'll give them a nice little free plug. And, uh, and then the other two companies. Very kind of you. Yeah. The other two companies are in Europe. And so, so we're really, we've kind of created a small industry and the technology that we use really is, I mean, it's appropriate for me to be on your show because it's really high tech. The polycarbonate glazing material that we use, it's warrantied against hail. It doesn't fog up. It's, it's manufactured out of petroleum, but they can manufacture it out of plant-based materials if, the, if that technology is needed, if that supply comes online. And so, so, yeah, we are all about, and I am all about, really eating good, clean, healthy, organic food. And I'm a fitness fan. I'm a fitness freak, actually, to describe myself, you know, accurately. And uh, and just, you know. Quite a specimen you are, Dave. Yes. Thanks, <laughs> Liz. And uh, yeah, I'm just a holistic lifestyle person, you know, getting lots of sleep, drinking lots of water, 
keeping stress out of your life, eating good, nutritious food, which will heal you if there is anything wrong, and it will age you very slowly. You know, for example, I'm six, I'm 59, I'll be 60 next year. And I had some blood work done earlier this year in Bozeman. And my doctor said I had the blood of a 26 year old. So, you know, I think that's amazing. The doctor probably thought he, you, they mixed the test tubes yes, up or something. Exactly. It was so yeah. good, right? Yeah. Who knows? Who wow. Knows? So, amazing. So, I wanted to start the episode with kind of that high level because I think it's so unique what you do. Usually we just go right into the founder's story, but this is a unique episode. So I want to start there. But please, Tell us about your story. How did you end up in, how'd you end up doing this? How'd you end up in Montana? Where did it all begin? Well, I think like a lot of people, I actually moved to Montana, not having any idea I was going to do this. And I moved to Montana because of my passion for Montana. So we could spend the whole episode talking about Montana if you wanted, because Montana is so unique and so beautiful. So that's actually what drew me here. But originally I grew up in North Carolina. And my family, including my mother's father, always had a big garden with all types of vegetables. But that's where I fell in love with a big, juicy beefsteak tomato. And I'm a tomato fan. I've, I've actually personally eaten about 450 varieties of heirloom tomato, and there's 1,200 worldwide. So my goal is to actually go all the way through and try to eat every variety before my life is over. What? <laughs> <laughs> What an incredible goal. But I got to say, you still got a long way to go. I didn't realize there was that many varieties. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're amazing. And the purple ones are the tastiest ones, just in case you or any listeners want to know. The ones that are purple colored have more sweetness and more flavor than all the colors. Um, and then I went to college at NC State. You know, and some fun, fun trivia for our listeners. My children affectionately <laughs> call Dave Tomato Dave. That's his nickname. So just to say it. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the couple here that I'm building the greenhouse for in Denver, their daughter is two, and she calls me Tomato Dave. And the greenhouse that I'm building is her house. I've told her I'm building it for her. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) wonderful! You're gonna put like a princess chandelier in there for her. Yeah, yeah. Some Christmas lights, rainbows, unicorns, whatever she wants. But yeah. Yeah, I went to NC State, got a degree in textiles, and I lived in New York City and L.A. for and Dallas for about 20 years. And then I actually just visited Montana and fell in love with it and finally moved there in 2001. And then in 2008, Dawn Sampson, my partner, we founded Alpine Organic Farms, and we grew organic heirloom tomatoes and cucumbers. And that's when I met you and Anne-Marie. Y'all came out to the farm. And, uh, and we invented our passive solar technology for the farm. And then my rancher neighbors would come over to visit and kind of like you and Anne-Marie did, and they would walk in and see these 17-foot-tall tomatoes, you know, growing with fruit on them. And they'd be like, hey, Dave, could you build like a little version of this for me so I can grow my own food in my own backyard? And so that, that's how the company was started. And then for a while, I farmed and built, which was just too much for me entrepreneurially and physically to, to do it all. And so I had to make a choice. So I decided to dedicate my life to Alpine greenhouses. And now I travel the Rockies. So it's really an appropriate podcast for me. I travel the Rockies, Montana, Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, parts of Oregon and Washington. And I live in an Airstream and I park on site. I build about four or five greenhouses a year. 
And, and then I sell kits for people that want to do it themselves. And, and that's pretty much my business in a nutshell. So, so Dave, when you were, you know, I love, I think there's such an analogy here for like just true, you know, like grassroots entrepreneurship and what you did. So and just to revisit, you, you mentioned Alpine Organic, right? And these, you know, you know, basically selling, growing these like really high-end heirloom tomatoes and other things. But that was really the inspiration for the company that ended up being the thing. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, we were one of the first, I think we might have been the first certified organic farm in the Bozeman area. And Bozeman has some fantastic farms now and some food processors like Root Cellar who do processing in Belgrade and Quality Foods, who's a distributor, mostly of like local things in Bozeman. So the Bozeman food scene is, for the size of the city, it's incredible. I mean, unless you live there, so you know that. But yeah, that it, initially, you know, we were a part of that and we delivered to the, the Bozeman co-op and local restaurants like Blackbird Kitchen. And we delivered the best heirloom tomatoes that I could possibly grow, which were mostly from Russia and uh, originally. And, uh, and, you know, like we talked about, my rancher neighbors started coming over and saying, hey, Dave, can you build these? And ultimately, from an entrepreneurial point of view, the profitability within the greenhouses is much higher than the profitability in selling food. Interesting, right. And was it the necessity of innovation of sort of like needing to grow, needing to produce, you know, 12 months out of the year? That, that led to the development of some of this really unique technology that became the greenhouse company? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our original plan was to expand and we would have had to expand to about 14 or 15 greenhouses that were pretty good sized. At that point, we Alpine Organic Farm would have been profitable, but I was actually able to achieve that same profitability, you know, with Alpine greenhouses faster. And I kind of, at some point I had to make a choice to do that. But definitely the farm and all of its discovery and technology and love for food completely led to Alpine greenhouses. Yeah. What about, what about Dave, when I think about the difference between growing food and building greenhouses, like pretty different skill set. but for you, how was that sort of a natural fit to, to make the transition? Well, you know, because I had the building skills, I owned a cabinetry shop before I owned the farm. So I have construction skills. And then I built all the greenhouses and the house that we had on the farm. So I actually had to learn to be a farmer. I was already a builder. And, and so, yeah. And then growing in a greenhouse less is very different than growing outside because you have to actually be sharper at inspecting the plants for disease and pests and knowing about your water and your soil because things can change in a greenhouse much quicker than outside because the environment's not involved and uh, you have to stay on top of it as a greenhouse grower and uh, I'm in the process of starting a nonprofit called Alpine Growing Institute that'll educate people on these indoor growing skills because I think it's I've been doing it on my own with my customers, but I just, I want to expand it. Yeah. I, I could have used that program last year when, when I had an aphid infestation in my greenhouse, but fortunately I had you to help me through that. <laughs> Did you, were you able to fix that last? Yeah. Nice. You know, enough, enough of a fix. Yeah. We got, I, it's, I was able to salvage most of the, most of the plants, but yeah, they, aphids won, you know, I would say one less 
One one for less, one for the aphids in season one, but we'll oh, try to yeah. get that one zero this season. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that's actually success yeah. in the growing world, as long as you got a harvest. Yeah, yeah. What what little there was, we got it. <laughs> yeah. nice. What about, tell us about, tell us more about just kind of, you know, some of the innovations and how the passive technology works and how does it enable you? I mean, you said it earlier, the negative 10 degrees, it blows my mind to think like, you can maintain a temperature in Montana in the wintertime in, of 70 degrees inside of a greenhouse that's completely passive. It's just shocking. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it, the current traditional greenhouse industry, I'm probably 30 or 40 years in front of them, less. like, you know, they're never going to catch up, you know, and at some point, I think they're all going to emulate me and these other companies that do what we do. But the technology is based on 1970s, residential construction technology from central California and northern California and passive solar technology in general, which has been around less for about 5,000 years. You can go and see entire neighborhoods in Egypt. They're built this way. Passive solar technology faces the building south and then digs it into the hillside on the north side. And then the building has it's open to the south light, even the 5,000-year-old buildings just have holes in the wall, you know, as windows, and they let the sun in, and then the sun warms that north wall. The Alpine technology takes that a step further, and we do reflective foil on that entire north wall, so we create a giant solar mirror facing the sun inside the greenhouse, and then the sun hits that, and it bounces down into a really thick gravel floor, which is an architectural heat sink. It's about 10 or 20,000 pounds of thermal mass that that solar mirror will slowly warm up. And then the floor releases heat day and night. And, uh, and then when you do that, when you do that less, you start to create too much heat when it gets warm. And so then I've really developed Alpine. We have our own custom manufactured exhaust fan made out of stainless steel and we use gig events from a company called J Orbison Technique there in Denmark and their wax vent openers that are chemically engineered to open at 85 degrees and they just automatically open and then they have springs that close them when the temperature cools and we use all of that technology to cool the greenhouse and then even then the greenhouse can still get too hot and we use shade fabric on the roof and sometimes evaporative coolers to control that heat generation. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's actually, it sounds like the cooling is sometimes more, more of a challenge or more of a problem than the heating. Oh, yes. Is that right? Yes. I have built and sold 150 Alpine greenhouses and kits, but I have gone and fixed and repaired and changed over 200 greenhouses from various other manufacturers because they don't get that part right. Wow. And what does that do? I mean, does it basically, it, it, can, it can kill the plants or what, like, what is the, what's the consequence of overheating? Yeah. I mean, it, it can get, traditional greenhouses can get up to about 130, 140 degrees, which will kill plants. And it's really, it's uncomfortable for humans and animals to be inside at that point. But an Alpine greenhouse, just a little side note here. I closed one up at the farm just to see what it would do. And it got up to 230 degrees in four hours. And then I got nervous it was going to catch on fire. So I opened everything back up. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what a design. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. 
the sun is a powerful thing, Les. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, that's where we get all our energy from, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. What, what about Dave? What, I know part of your mission, I know you've done a lot to educate kids. You've done a lot to, you know, just educate homeowners that want to grow their own food. Talk to us about why that's important to you. Well, why is that, why is that such an important part of who you are and, and what you believe in terms of our ability to lead healthy lives? Yeah, Les, a lot of people don't realize we're in the middle of an epidemic in America and 60% of us have some type of sickness or disease. And I think more than 50% of us are obese or overweight. And society is really just kind of absorbing this and we're not really addressing it as a nation. And I'm not a national leader, but as an individual, you know, I really try to, to be an evangelist for living a holistic life and eating healthy. And because the main thing is, you, like for me, I always have lots of energy and I'm always enthusiastic and positive and I love being alive. And so the food is a big part of that. I have a quote that I'm getting ready to post on my Instagram. A nation easily misfed is a nation easily misled. Mm. And so- That's profound, yeah. Yeah, when you, yeah. Don't, when you, when you don't eat it, right and you don't live a healthy lifestyle, Les, your, men, your mental capacity is lower than it could be, and it can lead to all types of issues and crazy things happen in society, which is exactly where America is now. Yeah, what, what happened- what happened with our American diet or our, like, when did this go south? Because I think we, we can all agree that there's, there's challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a little stop action video on my website that is actually made from recycled grocery store packaging. The whole video, it's really amazing. And it kind of tells the story. <laughs> we'll put a link. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. That sounds incredible. It tells the story of Alpine, but the very first grocery store was in 1930. And then supermarkets really weren't popular until the 1950s. And then in the 80s is when processed food and food with more sugar and ultra-processed foods really started to become mainstream. And then that's when America's health really started to go downhill. And I honestly think we've reached a turning point, which a lot of people are probably laughing at me at this point in the podcast, but I do think people have realized now that we've gone too far with the processed food and the sugar consumption. And there's a big drive for people to eat healthier, eat less, eat higher quality, eat for taste, you know, instead of eating just to fuel your day. And people are taking more time to cook their food. There's a whole thing called the slow food movement, which, you know, involves slowing down and tasting your food. And, and in my mind, growing your food and then eating it which is what I did at the farm and what I continue to do. Now, a lot of my customers give me food because I don't have my own greenhouses anymore, which is amazing. And so, yeah, so there's just, honestly, I think we've kind of bottomed out in that unhealthy trend. And then people are really into gardening, greenhouses, fitness, eating right, you know, all of these moving away from ultra processed foods and moving more towards just the whole foods and you know, the keto diets and the, uh, there's a ultra processed food diet system called Nova that classifies how processed foods are. And those things are really, you know, gaining steam. And, and I, th I think 
you're going to see America improve going forward instead of continue down the path that we've been on. Well, that's good to hear that there's some optimism there. What about when we process foods? I know you and I have talked about this before, I think maybe on a hike or a bike ride. When we process foods, what are we actually doing to them? What is that? What is that process that we do? Well, it's a, the NOVA system is a really good thing. It's got a classification. If it's a NOVA 1, then you just, you're getting the food from the grocery store that came direct from the farm in its whole form with the skin still on it, if it's a vegetable. And then you just cut that and eat that. That's completely whole foods, or there's also whole grains that are processed without removing any part of the grain that comes from the field. And then also, you know, animals and meat, if those are just slaughtered and nothing is done extra to them, they're that classification of one. And then the classification of two is if you take all that and you put it in a, a, a skillet or you put it in some type of cooking apparatus and you add some oil and you cook the food and then you eat it. And then the step beyond that is Nova classification three. And then that is processed food, which would be simply processed food. Like if you bake the loaf of bread with four or five ingredients, you know, flour, water, eggs, milk, those kinds of things. And then the classification of four is ultra processed foods, which are then processed even further. And, and the, the, the food industry has really, that, you know, they have chemical engineers and nu nutrition experts, and they have taken that processing to another level where they can make these fantastically tasting foods and fantastically addictive foods that all of us love. Like, I mean, I mean, who doesn't love a donut? It's not the healthiest thing on in the planet, but the damn thing tastes really good. <laughs> you know, I thought so, you were going to say cool ranch Doritos. That, <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. So yeah. Ultra processed foods would be things like donuts, flavored breads. What do you call those things? Hot pockets. You know, those are all food that are taken from the farm and then run through a factory and multiple things are done to the food, which ultimately what that does is it removes the nutrients or it makes it harder for your body to absorb the nutrients when you eat the food. If you eat a whole food, it's got crazy, imaginable, you know, healthy, unimaginable things that are so good for your body, like mit micronutrients and all types of other chemicals that can help your body to heal itself on a daily level and help your body to age really slowly. And so when you eat ultra processed foods, the reverse happens. You're actually aging yourself faster. Your body isn't able to heal itself and you're slowly giving yourself disease. There's been a lot of research lately about ultra processed foods. If they're more than 20% of your diet, you're much more likely to have Alzheimer's, mental issues, cellular issues, digestive issues, more cancer, more heart disease. So, so I like to say, you know, we're fighting the processed food companies, one greenhouse at a time. Ah, oh, love it. Love it. What a quote. What about, what about with regards to whole foods that are you know, genetically modified or overly sort of treated with pesticides and things like, are those okay? Are those good? Well, the, the kind of a leading question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all my neighbors around me, when I had my organic farm, they were conventional. So they were using 
herbicides and pesticides. And they were growing in a conventional manner. And some of them were using genetically modified seeds. And so the, the herbicides and the pesticides, they do two things. Number one, if they stay on your food, then they're chemicals that, that most likely are harmful for you to have in your body. And you're absorbing them in a small amount. And so that's such a small amount that you're probably okay in the short term. But in the long term, they tend to accumulate in your body. And so I try to follow the dirty dozen list. Are you familiar with the dirty dozen? No, tell us. Please tell us. Okay. You can Google the dirty dozen every year. It's, a, it's the, the 12 most chemically sprayed foods that are on the market. And it changes every year. The, somehow the, the chemical industry and the farmers change what they put on our food. Which, you know, I really don't want to create, I don't want to create a situation where I'm saying the conventional farmers are terrible people. They're just trying to grow the most food that they can, you know, with the chemicals, right? But me as a consumer, I try not to eat any of the dirty dozen unless it's organic every year. And I would advise any, anyone that wants to be really healthy. Yeah, I think, I think the dirty dozen. I'm thinking about this now. I think we nickname those in our house pesticide bombs, I think. Is yeah. What we call those, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those little bites. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Less. That's a good, yeah. that's a great nickname. And then, you know, genetically. I think you taught it, taught it to me, Dave. Okay. Yeah. Unless, <laughs> you know, genetically modified foods, I, I, I'm not, I, I try to tend to stay away from them, but I really, the jury is out. The technology is so new and we as Americans have probably been eating them only for about 10 or 20 years. So there isn't a lot of research based on them. And so I don't tend to, most of the genetically modified foods are the mass produced foods that end up in ultra processed foods. So just by my lifestyle, I miss those. I try to buy my food local and I try to buy my food seasonally as it grows, which is the way humans have been consuming food for more than a hundred thousand years. And so obviously we've been pretty successful at it. And uh, in my mind, people like me and other parts of the industry are, we're going back to the old ways, even with new technology of growing our own food and consuming it pretty quickly after we grow it, or we're freezing it or canning it. And then we still have it whenever we want it nearby. Yeah. I'll tell you, that's what I really love about your mission, Dave. And, you know, the one greenhouse at a time thing, because it's really allowing and enabling everybody. Well, and I say everybody, I know it takes, it definitely takes some means to be able to afford one of these and to keep up with it. But, right. but you're essentially providing tools little by little, hopefully more and more people can afford them, but providing the tools so that people can eat. I mean, it doesn't get much more local than your backyard, right? That's right. And That's right. I know exactly what goes into the, the stuff I put in my greenhouse. I know it, the fact that I'm not spraying it, you know, the aphids may come, but that's okay. I'm going to fight them off with natural ways. Right. And right. And so it's, I know, I know what is going in there and on that, on those fruits and vegetables and greens, but that's what you're doing. You're an enable, you're a platform. Totally. Yeah, Les. It's shocking to me how many people just buy food and put it in their mouth and never think about what they just did. That's just shocking to me as a human, you know, because my body is sacred to me. I take good care of it I'm, and I'm proud of it. And I just can't imagine just buying something in a container that has who knows what in it and stuffing it in my mouth. I'm, and, but that's what 
a lot of people do, you know, and so I'm really part of a movement of people that are going back to the way we used to do things and growing wholesome foods. And then the taste levels of food that you can grow locally, it can't be touched by the grocery stores or the restaurants or the big mass food producers because it has such flavor that is basically it's endemic in the seed. And then when you just plant the seed and it grows, you, you know, like, you know, a good heirloom tomato from Ukraine or Russia, you know, you'll go to the finest restaurants in the world and that's what they'll serve with their appetizers. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need anything else, right? It doesn't need any mm-hmm. salt or sugar or yeah. any other, you know, any supplements. Yeah. If it does need it, purest it, form. Yeah. Yes, exactly. If it does need anything, it's like a little oil, you know, or a little salt or, you yeah. know, then there's the combination yeah. of foods and herbs, which that's pretty much basically what cooking is. And then that's where you get all the incredible mm-hmm. flavors, you know, like, you know, Thai food and Indian food Profiles, yeah. and Mexican food, Mediterranean food. They really use a lot of herbs with the vegetables to make them taste just so good. And yeah, that's, that's what I, uh, I get such pleasure out of my job because I'm helping people to do that. And they invite me to dinner when I'm living on site, usually with their children. And I share a meal with this family that I'm building for here in Denver. Sometimes they let me take over their kitchen and I cook for them. And all of that, just like sharing food and growing food there's just such a beautiful community social feeling from that list that, you know, I'm one of the happiest entrepreneurs you're ever going to interview. And I'm, I'm certain of that. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Dave. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. What about on that note, any like any featured feature stories, like particularly creative or really cool conceptual greenhouses you've built, custom stuff or anything in particular, very challenging that, you know, just. Anything highlight worthy? Yeah, the there's, there's some cool stuff. During this winter, I actually flew to Gillette, Wyoming, and there is a bird hunting. It's a corporate bird hunting ranch where you would take retreats and go bird hunting, but they're vertically integrated for their food. They, of course, they serve you birds that you've shot that day while you're out on the hunt. Um, and But they also have a full garden, a very large commercial greenhouse that I actually flew in and made it. I changed the venting and the cooling aspects of the greenhouse. So they start everything in the greenhouse, they move it out to the garden, and then they have a commercial kitchen. And the owner, one of the owners is a fantastic chef. She's been a sous chef for about 15 years. And so, I th- honestly, Les, I think a lot of the future of resort living and doing things is going to be having food nearby or on site that's grown fresh and integrating a greenhouse into the lifestyle. Like it's not going to be too much further in the future when you see, you know, the Yellowstone club in Montana, or you see Hilton or the major hotel chains, when they're building a new building, they can add a greenhouse to that building, which is actually a beautiful place to go with a fully oxygenated environment from the plants. And then they can get the tastiest, freshest food possible from that slight extra expense that they just outgrew. I honestly think that's where the future is going. And then the project I'm working on in Denver now is a psychotherapist, her and her husband. It's in the, their backyard and we're building a 24 foot greenhouse. But attached to that is a 12 by 12 foot therapeutic office where her patients will go to visit with her. And it's actually open to the greenhouse on one side. And so 
they'll get that wonderful view and that wonderful smell of the plants and the additional oxygen in their brain and in their lungs. And so, yeah, those are, those are just a couple of the cool projects that I'm involved Brilliant. with. Brilliant. Yeah. That's where I think things are going to go. That's really neat. I mean, it's a brilliant vision for the future and the future of living, living close to your food. I love it. You know, and it also reminds you, it takes me back to, you know, 10 years ago when we met over 10 years ago. And despite the beauty of Montana, everywhere you go, I still think on that trip, one of the most beautiful places I spent time was in one of your greenhouses. It was having dinner, you know, sharing dinner with you and Don in one of those greenhouses with, with my family. I mean, that's like, I'll never forget how beautiful that was. And it's, they can be, I mean, it's just breathtaking place of life and vibrance. Really, really, really cool. Really cool vision. Cause I, I, I want to go, I want to go to the future. If that's the way, <laughs> if that's where the way yeah. our buildings are going to yeah. be, I want to go visit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Les, I am honored. I'm honored to have had you guys there and given you that experience. I, I, I just, I'm so glad I could be involved, you know, less for you and your family. Yeah. Yep. It was a special, special time. One of, one of the big draws for me. Yep. Nice. Yeah. The future, I, in my mind, the future is high-tech buildings that, you know, utilize the energy of the sun as part of the design. And then there's green growing inside. Like to me, a yoga studio right in the middle of the greenhouse is a no-brainer. That's right. And you're, cause you're a big yogi too. <laughs> I'm a big yogi. So, <laughs> so I hope to actually work on a project like that soon. Oh man, so much good stuff to unpack in this episode. I can't wait to see what the future holds. What about speaking of that, anything anything regarding anything regarding the future product releases, anything cool you're working on right now specifically? Oh yeah. Yeah, two things. Next month in Stevensville, North of Missoula, I'm going to build a 36-foot greenhouse with a galvanized steel frame instead of wood lumber. And that's because some customers prefer the galvanized steel because, you know, it won't rot. And the lumber, we actually put a shellac coating on the lumber. So actually both of them less are a lifetime investment. You know, the greenhouses are going to last at least 50 years that, that we build. And, but we have, so we, so we'll be able to offer metal framing, steel framing, and wood framing, whichever way you want to go for the kits and the ones we build. And then I have a very small greenhouse that I'm going to put on Amazon as a kit. And it's about the size of an armoire. If you're familiar with that, like, you know, four feet wide, six feet wide. And, and that still will be automated with the venting and a little digital heater inside. Because even though the technology of the greenhouses creates heat, when the sun goes down, you need supplemental heat at night. Interesting. And what about for the naysayers out there that say, you know, Dave, I've been listening to this episode. I love, I love conceptually what you're talking about. But like, I could never feed my family with, a greenhouse. It wouldn't produce enough, you know, to feed my family. What do you say to that? Well, you don't have to produce everything, you know, out of the greenhouse for your family. What you do is you produce the tastiest things that you and your family love. And then you combine those with what you buy locally and at the grocery store. And you just basically, you elevate your life. You know, you elevate the taste level for you and your wife and your kids simply by having that close by and fresh and then add that to everything that you're already doing. So you don't have to look to the greenhouse. I mean, I do have some preppers, which is a nickname, you know, for people that are completely off grid and they try to grow everything they consume. Yeah. And that is possible, but I think you'd have to quit your day job to do that, Liz. All of you. 
anybody. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Too much work. Yeah. So the sup- supplementing is a, is an important for first step. And, and it's really, that's, it's about, you know, getting that, that produce back in your diet. And, and it, especially if it, you can get to a majority of what you eat being sourced right. locally. Like if, if you love pizza, which I do, which it, pizza could be either ultra processed or a Nova category three, depending on how healthy you eat your pizza. But, but if you have pizza either way, and you've got fresh basil in your greenhouse, that is going to pop the flavor profile of the pizza up, you know, quite a bit, just simply by having that fresh basil nearby and putting it on the pizza. That's just an example. You know, Dave, I forgot you were such a pizza guy. In addition to being a tomato guy, I'm gonna have we're gonna we're gonna have to have you over for the to experience the new uni in my backyard. Oh, nice! Yeah. I love those. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the wood cooking over a wood fire. It's been my yeah. one of my new hobbies this spring and summer. So I'll no. be over for it. Awesome. Yeah. See that that's going back fun. to the old old ways that we used to prepare food you know yeah i always follow scientific studies when they're published and they found out that the neanderthals about seventy thousand years ago that lived near some lakes they can analyze what they were eating through their bones and they discovered that they really did not eat that differently than us you know they were catching fish and they were cooking fish on an open fire with herbs and they were getting whole grains from the fields nearby and they were hunting animals and then cooking that meat and seasoning it and dressing it with herbs. And so it's pretty amazing that, you know, you're cooking in your backyard just the same as some Neanderthal dude did 70,000 years ago. That's the way my kids judge my cooking, too. They're like, Dad, seriously? I'm like, hey, guys, it's wood-fired pizza. Come on. Yeah. Meanwhile, someday in the future, a scientist is going to be like, oh, look at this family. These kids ate Lucky Charms every day for breakfast. No, hopefully not. My kids don't get it that often. Right. That's good. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Dave, I got to tell you, this is... This has been such so fun having you on the show. I'm really excited about about the future for Alpine greenhouses and the future of our planet. If we can, you know, if we can get this get this back on track. Just to conclude for you, what's something you're looking forward to in the next 30 days or the next, you know, this summer? Any anything big? Any fun trips or anything you're really looking forward to? You know, Les, I have like the dream life. I travel to Rockies, so I'll be in Bozeman next week, and I'll be in Missoula. The week after that, then I come back to Denver to finish this project. And, uh, and then, I'll, then I'll actually be in Bozeman for most of the fall. So I'll come by and, and have some pizza with you and your family. But, but I, get, you know, I just get to, to travel and live in the Rockies in really beautiful locations where most of my customers have their homes. And, and then during the winter, I can't build. So I usually go to some beach somewhere in the world and enjoy it myself. Amazing. What a life. What a, what a great entrepreneur and an amazing founder in our ecosystem, Dave. I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Such a pleasure to, to call you a friend now for over a decade and excited for what's in store. Why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find you and Alpine Greenhouses online? Oh, thank you, Les. And it's such a pleasure to be on your show. And it's been such an honor to know you and your family. And Alpine is, we have a good website alpinegh.com and my phone number is 406-223-3574 all right dave we'll catch you at the pizza oven later this fall all right les we'll see you buddy thanks dave bye 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to nextfrontiercapital.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop every two weeks. We'll see you next time. 